Sublime, the podcast that sheds light on yin yoga and meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers, and I'm a yin yoga meditation teacher and trainer, as well as a licensed acupuncturist. In this episode, I kick off a three-part conversation with Dr. Daniel Keown. Dr. Keown is both a Western-trained physician specializing in emergency care, as well as a licensed acupuncturist. But more importantly, He wields a high level of sophisticated knowledge of each model of medicine, something that is impressively on evidence in his two books that bridge Western and Chinese medicine, the first being The Spark in the Machine, and his more recent text, The Unchartered Body. The Unchartered Body is one of the most illuminating texts on Chinese medicine that I've seen. As I mentioned to Dan before this interview began, I told him I wish I'd had this book back when I was in acupuncture school, as I think he is able to make sense of Chinese medical terminology and concepts in a way that the Western mind can just more readily connect with and understand. This episode is being republished from my conversation with Dan for the website meaningoflife.tv. And in this conversation, Dan begins with a description of qi, which he defines as the spirit that is the difference between whether we're alive or dead. And he then presents a way of how to think about the channels, or what we might refer to as the meridians in Chinese medicine. But if you listen carefully, he doesn't like the word meridians for a reason. Now, as enthusiasts of yin yoga, I hope to hear from you on these episodes. I welcome your questions uh, for future episodes because Dan has agreed to come back on the podcast in a few months for a follow-up series. So please listen closely and do send me your questions. You can send those to josh at joshsummers.net. Again, you can send the questions you might have for Dan about either Western medicine or Chinese medicine to josh at joshsummers.net. But before we begin, I just want to again thank all the folks that support this podcast through sharing. As a free podcast, the best exchange of value for value And the best way to support my guests on this podcast, too, is in expanding the reach of interest in the podcast. So thank you for sharing. And if you're listening and appreciating what you hear, please consider sharing this episode or the podcast link with a friend. Just a few clicks of the mouse goes a long way to help me keep doing what I'm doing in service of broadening our understanding of yin yoga, Chinese medicine, and meditation. Okay, now without further ado... I bring you Dr. Daniel Keown. Hey, Dan. Hey. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. As a doctor, you're a practicing physician, an emergency room doc, and also a licensed acupuncturist. And you've recently published a new book called The Unchartered Body. Subtitle is A New Textbook of Medicine, which we'll be discussing today. So I came, I became familiar with your work a couple of years ago when uh, someone in my either acupuncture world or yoga world uh, uh, did a review of your book called Spark in the Machine, which uh, seemed like it was a real attempt to show that 
Chinese medicine and Western medicine are not sort of divergent, non-overlapping systems of thought, that they actually are describing, A, the same thing, just with different kinds of language and different tools of understanding, but that they actually had things to inform one another about how health and the human body works. Um, and this new book seems to be a more detailed uh, continuation of that. So one of the things I want to hope we can talk about uh, here is um, a your particularly unique role as a Western physician as well as a China, trained Chinese acupuncturist um, in terms of facilitating a conversation between these two different uh, worlds. Um, and in doing that, maybe help people that are particularly skeptical think differently about what qi is, or the energy of Chinese medicine, what the meridians or channels are in Chinese medicine, how acupuncture might work, and then how that all fits into um, you know, how we might think about what's going on in placebo research with acupuncture, um, and things like that. So to set the stage, and I know I've been talking a little bit, but to set the stage, um, I thought it'd be good to uh, read a passage from a book by Sam Harris. And Sam Harris, to many of the listeners, is either someone who's loathed or uh, celebrated. And in this passage from his new book, uh, recent book, Waking Up, he says this. He says, as I wrote my first book, The End of Faith, the disparity between Eastern and Western spirituality resembles that found between Eastern and Western medicine, with the arrow of embarrassment pointing in the opposite direction. Humanity did not understand the biology of cancer, develop antibiotics and vaccines, or sequence the human genome under an eastern sun. Consequently, real medicine is almost entirely a product of Western science. Insofar as specific techniques of eastern medicine actually work, they must conform, whether by design or by happenstance, to the principles of biology as we have come to know them in the West. This is not to say that Western medicine is complete, in a few decades, many of our current practices will seem barbaric. One need only ponder the list of side effects that accompany most medications to appreciate that these are terribly blunt instruments. Nevertheless, most of our knowledge about the human body and about the physical universe generally emerged in the West. The rest is instinct, folklore, bewilderment, and untimely death. <laughs> now, I think, based on what I've understood from your writing so far, there's a kernel in that paragraph that you might actually agree with, and then a large chunk of it that you're going to have something to say about. Yeah, the, uh, well, I, I think the only, about the only thing I agreed with was antibiotics. <laughs> the, rest, the rest I didn't. But I'll tell you why, in a very succinct way. Um, I gave a talk recently to the physiotherapists around, up here in uh in england and uh, i started the talk by um just saying how do you know if your patient's alive or not <clears throat> and everyone looked at me a, a little bit shocked you know and uh, i repeated the question to them i said how do you know how do you know if your patient's alive or not when you see them you know it's a question they don't really no one really ever asks do they because it's like well it's obvious if someone's alive i mean it can be a little bit tenuous sometimes if they're really deeply unconscious and maybe if they're very near death it might not be entirely clear but basically um the reason that you know that people are alive 
rather than dead is because of energy moving around their body. So, no, one, no one said because you can see them breathing or you can take their pulse and feel their heart pulse? Well, well, yeah, I mean, you can do those things. But the thing is, you don't even need to do those things generally, do you? To, to look at somebody, you could look at somebody, um, you know, 99% of all the people wandering around, yeah, um, even and even breathing is a form of energy movement. It's energy that's making you breathe. So my point was that it's the difference between life and death is energy, you know, and, and you can even measure that with an ECG. You can even, you know, you, you can you can see the moment the energy leaves the body with an ECG because you get a flat line. Bing, bing, bing. Mm. So so this this is the fundamental difference between life and death. And this is energy. And, and this is, in, in my opinion, anyway, indisputable. I mean. Um, if you want to, if you want to actually tell the difference between someone who's alive and dead, the most sensitive and the ultimate test really is an ECG. Because, um, say, for instance, you had somebody who, uh, you know, 99.999% of people you can tell, but just by looking at them, because you can see the energy moving. But say they were really on, you know, appear to be dead. What you do in emergencies, you put stickers on their chest and measure their heart energy and see if there was any rhythm in their heart. Now, if the if there was a flat line, you know, everyone would look around and go, oh, they're dead. Um, if there was some flicker of energy going on there, they'd go, oh, right, okay, you know, there's life. That's we hope. might be able to do something here. So, so I mean, in that thing that you read out by um, Sam Harris, yeah. was it? Yeah, um, who I've vaguely heard of. Um, there, there was no mention of energy there. There was talk of antibiotics, and which, which are great. There was talk about um, the biology of cancer. Well, cancer is just getting more and more prevalent. So whatever is known about the biology of cancer, we're not doing it right. Um, and the human genome has manifestly failed to create any cures. Mm. We've we've got all we, we've unraveled the human genome and nothing has become of it. And I remember 20 years ago them saying, oh, there were going to be all these amazing cures. And um, it, it's fundamentally, I think, be, the, the fundamental weakness within Western medicine is um, and uh, that spirit, so chi translates best as spirit, not as energy, that spirit is completely lacking from Western medicine. Mm. So, um, and, and spirit is the difference between life and death. So <laughs> you've, right. got, you've got a medicine that ignores the fundamental difference between life and death, apart from in very small occasions like the ECG. Right, right. And I want to try to explore some of the consequences of that that negligence in terms of not taking into consideration that. Um, maybe before getting into that, though, uh, a little bit about your background might be interesting to the audience. Um, <clears throat> for instance, I was trying to think of how to frame this. Because you are a Western doc as well as a trained acupuncturist, the question might be, which, which needle came first? The, hypo, the hypodermic needle or the acupuncture needle? Well, I, the, I always intended to, um, strangely, I went into Western medicine to, to kind of unravel the mysteries of Chinese medicine. And um, I, this was back, I went into medicine back in 1992. And back then, acupuncture was kind of voodoo. And um, it wasn't even... Really, I mean, if you went to see an acupuncturist, you may as well have just said, "I'm off to see my witch doctor." You yeah. know, they were pretty similar in terms of their uh, respectability. Um, 
And I didn't really have the personal courage or conviction to go and become an acupuncturist. But also I wanted to learn what Western medicine understood and knew. And so I went into Western medicine and I kind of scraped through medical school. And then uh, because I always wanted to learn about acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And, and then I became an emergency doctor. What was promoting, what was pushing that interest in Chinese medicine? Oh, that was my grandmother. Yeah, Dora Gauss. Who oh. was, uh, so she, she was an incredible woman. She, uh, she went traveling around China in her 80s on her own. Now, I just thought everyone's grandmother went traveling around China. You know, and this is back in the 1980s, yeah? I thought, I, you know, I remember my mum saying to me, like, that's kind of not, effectively, she went, that's not normal. And I was like, oh, isn't it? You know, I was mm. 14 or something. But yeah, so she um, she loved all things Chinese. And one comment that she said to me stayed in my mind. She said that the West thinks that Chinese medicine is primitive um, because it's so old and unchanged. But she said it, the reason it's unchanged is because it was always right. So if you've got something right, you don't need to change it. No one suggests that the wheel is this ancient technology that is no longer relevant it was the wheel is perfect so we keep it and so that's what she said about chinese medicine acupuncture and so that's what kind of create the spark of interest and um my dad was a surgeon so oh right okay because that's that's your you have a youtube channel by by a title that says what god forgot to tell the surgeon yeah yeah <laughs> so what god forgot to tell your dad this is really just working at your own well, issues. yeah, it's in, it's interesting the whole like that layers of like you know what what is going on in my subconscious to call it what God forgot to tell surgeon. The reason I actually called it that is because um, because every doctor I've ever said to has found that quite humorous. Um, <laughs> my publishers didn't. So the original title of The Spark in the Machine was What God Forgot to Tell Surgeons. And when I said that to the publishers, they just kind of, you know, there were, um, you know, you could just hear the, the wind blowing through the trees. There, there was nothing. And I said, no, but every doctor finds this funny. And, and they didn't really understand it. I mean, many people do understand what the joke, obviously, surgeons think they are God. Right, right, right. right. Um, so, but, but the reason I've called it that is because the fundamental um, thing that you need to realize to understand acupuncture, really cheese, quite difficult in my opinion to get your head around, but the channel system is so easy to understand. Well, that, I wanna pick up exactly on that, because I, I had a question that was around, if you're going to be talking about this Western model, I mean, not this Western, this Chinese medical model to sort of a hard-nosed skeptic, do you, yeah. be, do you feel like it's it's better to begin with a discussion of qi or like the energy system, or do you think it's better to discuss the channels first? And it sounds like you're, you're, you're saying the channels. Yeah, well, well, I've had this conversation a lot um, So uh, with hard-nosed skeptics, doctors. And um, so, yeah, in my opinion, the easiest way to do it is is to to move quite quickly from qi, which, which is basically just a bio, spirit is the cleanest translation into English, but it's like a bioelectricity that organizes our bodies. And then that flows in channels within the body. And then this is why I never use the word meridians, because if you say to doctors or skeptics, um, 
Oh, well, the chi flows in channels within the body, which is intrinsically makes sense anyway, because everything flows in channels, given the opportunity. Um, then they'll say, well, show me these channels. And then you just open up any textbook of medicine or, or surgery or anatomy, and, you, you know, all the channels are there. It's the negative space between things. And you can even, um, any surgeon, if you say to a surgeon, oh, um, you know, the fascial planes within the body, are they channels? They'll go, well, yeah, yeah, of course they are, because this is what surgeons use to navigate around the body. So this is the joke of what God forgot to tell surgeons. Right, that right, surgeons right. think that this navigation system was put there to enable their, to make their life easier. Let's go back through some of what you just said, because there was a lot in there that may have fly over sort of the layman's head if they're not familiar with certain terms. Um, people are, have heard of these meridians. I mean, there's, it's pretty common, common language, um, but usually it gets dismissed, and it gets dismissed because people say when when a, when an anatomist goes in and tries to find these meridians, they don't find anything. And the people in the acupuncture world for a long time have been saying the reason they're not finding anything because the very biological substrate, the material that these meridians are located within, gets extracted in the course of the uh, cadaver dissection. Yeah, so, no, that's, that's nonsense too. <laughs> that's rubbish, yeah. It's so simple. It's unbelievably simple. Like, it's, it's ridiculously simple. Like, and, and that's in the new book I've tried to make it so simple as well. Um, but, but, yeah, so just... It's difficult to explain without someone who's actually seen surgery or done surgery. If you had a surgeon in the room now, they'd be nodding and going, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Keyhole surgery. So keyhole surgery, that, that when they do keyhole surgery, what they're aiming for is this space, potential space within the body that just blows up. And then they're in this channel. They don't call them channels. They tend to call them cavities and things like the peritoneal cavity. But it's a it's a channel. And that channel is, in the case of the peritoneal cavity or channel, that's the liver channel. And so all throughout the body, there are these channels. And, and there's the, the reason why anatomists miss the channels uh, when they were looking for channels is twofold. Firstly, because of the translation into meridians, which is a poor translation. Um, the second thing is because they were using the channels to look for the channels. So it's like if you've got your glasses on your face, they, they were like the equivalent of, uh, you know, where are my glasses? <laughs> right. That's what they would do. So the, the channels are located within, I think what you would say is planes of intermuscular fascia for the, in a way. That begs the question, what, just so, I, I did a conversation with David Lazondak about what fascia is, but people might need, yeah. need to, just a quick overview of what fascia is and then how does it relate to uh, the existence of these channels. The channel system. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so fascia is, uh, so <clears throat> what is fascia? <laughs> Good question, because it's actually a poorly defined um, word, fascia. So a better word to use to describe what we're talking about is actually the triple burner and the Zhuang Lo system, which is the Chinese words that have been coined specifically for these systems. Yeah. However, given that fascia needs some explaining, I'll explain it. So fascia is generally understood as a macroscopic, in other words, you can see it with the naked eye, um, very thin silk-like material 
throughout the body. It's everywhere in the body, wrapping everything. So if I cut open my arm now, there would be fascia tying tying all the muscles together, wrapping all the muscles and wrapping around the bone. And in fact, the word fascia, which is the same as fascism, and is it actually means ties together. So bind together. So the in the House of Representatives, I think, in the US, they have the two rods either side of um either side of the speaker's chair and it's it's um uh, sticks tied together and that's that's the facies hmm. so that's what fascia is it, it ties things together but more importantly it's like this silk uh, very thin silk structure and you can see it on uh, slow cooked meat you can see it on in fact on chicken or anything it's that silky type very thin stuff that you kind of cut and then you're into the muscle straight away Right. Do you and know what I'm talking about? I, yeah, I know about fascia. It's oh, just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah. want to make sure that we get a, get a working Your definition listeners. for people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've heard it described as a three-dimensional bodysuit. It's kind of a, it's a three-dimensional body, a fabric within the body that binds and holds everything together, organizes things, transmits forces, um, yeah. all that. Well, this, well this, is, this is the problem, you see. So fascia, fascia is is poorly defined in fact i even managed to find a uh a, an article from a you know a you know proper journal that pretty much said exactly the same thing that fascia is just poorly defined and um so um but but you can we can talk about what is in the body and within the body there's definitely like a three-dimensional spider's web of um uh, mainly collagen that effectively if you were to blow if you had some kind of ray gun that blew all the cells out of the body, like you'd just be left with this skeleton. You, the skeleton's part of this system as well, actually. You'd be left with a skeleton, but also all of this like fascia yeah. <laughs> that that was supporting all the cells and holding them all in place. Right. You know, you'd almost you'd be translucent. You could see through that body, right. but it would be there. But you have a veritable likeness of the body. And, and and Tom, the uh, anatomist, uh, body worker in the states, you probably heard of Tom Myers, describes fascia as the the environment that your cells live in. Yeah, exactly. And 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 there we 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 go back to the uh, problem with the word fascia as a descriptive word because it's um, if you speak to a surgeon, he certainly wouldn't call fascia that. Right. But, but this a, is it's why a, it's a vague. It's, yeah. There's 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 not conformity in the world around fascia of what what it actually is or signifies there's because it used to be like yeah. just sheets of connective tissue like the plantar fascia the aponeurotic fascia exactly um and yeah. and now it's having this more a broader connotation throughout the body but yeah. when you're talking let's come back to the channel like of acupuncture yeah. Yeah, yeah channel system you're talking yeah. about and this is something that I was, I think I w had misunderstood my own understanding around the theory around where these channels are located. But I had thought that the channels were located within the, the fascia itself, like, like in between, like the fascia in between bigger structures, say the fascia in between bone and uh, muscle or be between tendon and muscle or something. Yeah. But you're saying, and this is what I think is quite interesting, is that you're saying the the channel is the space between planes of fascia. Am I yes. getting that right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes. And, th and those... That's, that's it. 
That's it. And and this this dovetails. You can open up any anatomy. In fact, the very principle of surgical dissection and anatomical dissection is to use those channels between the fascia to navigate around the body. That's the principle of anatomy. And the main dissection. principle, just to be to be direct about it, is that in going about surgery that way, it reduces trauma, right? Oh, yeah, there's zero trauma. Right. Yeah, zero. You can do, um, I mean, that's why you do keyhole surgery, you know, because basically once you're through the skin into this fascial plane, which is the peritoneal, it's called the peritoneal cavity. It's actually a channel because fluid flows in the circuit within it. Um, once you're in there, you can just do whatever you like. You know, you can just wander around, have a look at the appendix, have a look at the ovaries, have a look at the fallopian tubes, go up, have a look at the liver. Um, you know, and then they can take bits out as well. But obviously, then then it causes trauma. But the actual that's why they they do this just to have a look. It's called uh, explorative laparotomy, uh, laparoscopy. Have a look, see. Yeah, and they they just have a look. Yeah, they're just. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? You do an operation just to have a, a gander, a look inside. So so the channels. The the one of the key things actually that I try and get across is just how damn simple this is. The, the whole thing, even chi, uh, chi is relatively complex compared to the channel system. But the channel system is just unbelievably simple. The, when it first dawned on me what this was, which was in China years ago, it, it just blew my mind because I was like, this is so simple. And just like that, the channel system is so simple. But in case it's not so simple to you yet, and you'd like to see some amazing drawings of the channel system of Chinese medicine, as well as incredible explanations of the whole body of Chinese medical thought, I can't recommend enough that you pick up a copy of The Unchartered Body. Dan is self-publishing this book, so you can hop over to his website, which is in the show notes, and order your shuffle copy. In my next part of the conversation with Dan, we will be discussing the channel system and what it has to do with jellyfish. We'll also look at how embryos self-organize, as well as trying to define what exactly qi is. So I look forward to sharing that with you soon. And today, thanks so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.